gotta love Zoom, right? <laughs> Getting very familiar with it, I must especially say. Time, especially during this time. Well, all right, so we are rolling. And um, folks, first of all, thanks for tuning in. For those who are watching, thank you for watching. And then, of course, the sound, the audio of this goes on to iTunes and SoundCloud. So thanks for listening if you're listening. So today I have uh, a guest. I've been excited to talk with her again because it's been probably about four years. And uh, so she's coming back for a second interview with me. And I'm very honored for her uh, presence here. I'd like to introduce my guest. She is a, a neuroscientist. She works and teaches a professor of neuroscience and psychology at New York University. And I'm talking about Dr. Wendy Suzuki. And thank you, Dr. Suzuki, for taking this time today again. You are so welcome. It is good to see you. And you're hanging in there, right, with all this yes. COVID? Yes, hanging in here with NYU, helping students uh, get through it. Uh, they're the ones that had the major disruption. They had to leave college. They're doing yeah. all their classes online. Yes, my colleagues had to scramble to get the uh, material online, but boy, it is not, it, it was not easy for any of the students. I out can't there. even so imagine. I, so you, you were in live classroom settings with your teaching, right? Yes. And so now you're online with it? Is that how it's working uh, for uh, you? Yes, as I well? mean, I'm not, I don't happen to be teaching this semester. Oh, okay, uh, but okay. now we're unclear what's going to happen in the fall. So it may be a uh, even more unusual half live, half online type yeah. of situation, depending on where we are with the with the virus. So yeah, we're just exactly. right to see what happens. Nobody nobody will know until we get a little closer to the date. Yeah, a lot of unknown right now. And just uh, I'll take one tangent for a second. I since I've seen you, I've stopped traveling about. Well, last fall, it just wasn't interested in traveling much anymore. I've been all around the globe many times. I started working at Syracuse University. They recruited me back so I could do some stuff in the uh, with movement disorders there as far as, you know, working with them and helping and training trainers. And, you know, they shut down a month ago today. <laughs> so I'm not working there right now because there's no work. But, yeah, they were scrambling too as well. Everything's going online. So I can't even imagine what how that is for people. But uh, um, so you have well. First of all, you, the the book that I have of yours, I just love this um, "Healthy Brain, Happy Life." Yes, beautiful book. And folks, if you don't have it, um, be sure to go on and go and get it. I have both versions, the hard copy and the audio, because I like to have both when I really like a book. So get that book, folks. But. We have an interesting conversation we'll, we're about to have about anxiety, which yeah. is also the topic of your new upcoming book, right? Yes, yes. The uh, new book is called Good Anxiety, Bad Anxiety, and uh, it's all ready to go. We're just making finalized uh, uh, negotiations, so okay. I'm excited to start talking about it. Oh, please, please. I'm all ears now. It's all yours. <laughs> the floor <laughs> is yours. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I think now more than when um, we started writing the book, anxiety is such an important topic uh, because anxiety is so high right now. You can't help it. And in fact, uh, one of the things we talked about in the book is, is the stigma around anxiety. And now it's much more normal. Of course, you're anxious. Everybody it has a big excuse yeah. to be anxious. 
So one good thing, I guess, is that there's less of a stigma. It's easier to talk and even admit that one is anxious. Um, but uh, um, I like to call this my immodest proposal. And my immodest proposal is that we can all start to look at anxiety in a very different way. And um, more from a neuroscientific perspective. So anxiety is activation. And that brain activation uh, is, uh, uh, the goal of that brain activation is to protect you. Anxiety is a protective mechanism. And so uh, looking at it that way, um, one has a goal of trying to use that activation, not to spiral you down into debilitating kind of stay-at-home clinical anxiety, but to use that activation to actually act and protect yourself and do something good. And the other part of the immodest proposal of this book, Good Anxiety, Bad Anxiety, is that we show you how to take that anxiety and not just shift bad anxiety, which everybody knows what that is. That is the annoying anxiety that kind of keeps you from things. Right. Shift it from bad to good, that is usable anxiety. But the second whole half of the book actually shows you how to um, elevate that good anxiety into what oh. I call anxiety superpowers. So oh. can you actually harness some of that information and some of that protective element of anxiety and to make that your own personal superpower. So that's kind of the general theme of the book. And again, I think it's so relevant right now. Can we use this collective anxiety that we are feeling to spur creativity, yes. to uh, um, do something useful? I see it all the time in the ways that uh, people all over the globe are using Zoom and using Facebook yeah. and Instagram Live in new ways that we would never think of before. And uh, in some cases, you know, uh, um, addressing anxiety. So obviously one uh, difficulty at this point is isolation. We are ordered <laughs> to be alone. And some of us are with our families who are not completely alone, but many of us uh, live alone. And so I'm one of those people that live alone. And so I have uh, used um, Zoom to bring my community in. So one of the things, I don't remember whether we talked about this, Carl, last time, but I do um, a morning tea meditation, which is a meditation over brewing and drinking tea. And I do this myself um, uh, every morning, but I also use it socially. So I invite people over to my house and we have a tea meditation brunch. So we all meditate together and then I serve them brunch. That's well, cool. No brunch is being served in my home. All right. Uh, but every Sunday morning, I invite my friends and family to a virtual tea meditation where we all come together on Zoom, including my cousin, all the way in Tokyo, Japan, at 11.30 at night, her time. Yeah. He joins us for Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. tea meditation where we all come and it's basically like a face meditation because I mute everybody and everybody comes with their favorite cup of, doesn't have to be tea, coffee, hot chocolate, whatever, water and we just sit in silence and meditate together. And it's so uh, enriching for yeah. me. Something that I never ever in a million years would have done without this virus and without that, that activation that came from the isolation and the anxiety that comes from isolation. So that's just one 
way that anxiety and um, uh, can can be elevated into a superpower in this case of connection. I love it. I think that's brilliant. It's brilliant because. You know, I've noticed it too. You see um, uh, on TV or wherever you see these uh, Zoom. I, I saw a friend of mine who's a saxophone player who lives in Manhattan. And he's very well known. He tours around the world with some pretty famous bands. He was on uh, that thing, Good Morning America, on a Zoom big band, like 20 musicians playing simultaneously on Zoom. And yeah. it was great. I mean, it was so cool. So the apps are producing music, connecting. Yeah forming together and who knows where they all were, but they were not right. together. Yeah, yeah. Or anything like that in a million years. So. And, and I just, I totally agree. I love that idea. And I just think of all of the things, um, all the applications for this when things get hopefully soon back to semi-normal. For mm -hmm. example, people that don't or can't leave their house if they have some physical disability and they can't go to the studio and that has been uh, up until now some sort of barrier. Well, guess what? Now we know that so many more things are possible through, you know, the, the beauty of, of uh, the internet. So, so I'm looking forward to all the things that change for the better because we've discovered new ways to connect. Um, yeah. uh, because of this, uh, uh, because of this virus. But, yes. Yes. Yeah. But getting back to anxiety, I mean, I like to approach it in three different stages. Um, one is um, uh, so anybody who suffered from anxiety um, is uh, uh, realizes that one of the most difficult moments is what if an anxiety attack has started. Like, what do you do? do you, ju you just have to ride it through. So this is, um, uh, so I address this in the book uh, because it is kind of most immediate uh, um, aspect of, of anxiety. What do you do if you start to get anxious? There, what, what can help? And so there I turn to neuroscience. And um, neuroscience tells us that um, uh, there are two nervous systems in our body. One that controls stress, which is the fight or flight system. It's also called the sympathetic nervous system. And so that is automatically activated in, uh, uh, in times of threat or anxiety. And so we all know what that feels, sweaty, heart beating, and you could all write down all your symptoms that you have in yeah. those situations. Well, people don't realize that um, uh, to help balance that, that fight or flight nervous system, there is a, what we call a rest and digest nervous system, also called the parasympathetic nervous system. And activation of that will calm your, your nervous system. It slows down your heart rate. It slows down your breathing. It stimulates digestion because in relax, relaxing times, that's when you get good digestion going. It stimulates ovulation and stir, sperm you know, uh, uh, production because that's when uh, uh, reproduction takes place. So. Um, uh, so the question is, what is the best way to activate? What is the most immediate way to activate that parasympathetic nervous system? Can you suddenly slow down your heart rate? No. Can you suddenly uh, stimulate your digestion? No. But what you can do is breathe deeply. Mm -hmm. So breathing deeply is a wonderful stimulation, mimicking, and it is what the parasympathetic system does. And so uh, the neuroscience kind of uh, a hack 
for what you do in the middle of a anxiety attack, whether it's COVID related or anything else related, is simply start to breathe deeply because that will activate the other elements of the parasympathetic system, slow your heart rate down, it'll get you in that, that um, get you away from the fight or flight mode and more towards that relaxation mode. And it's no coincidence that deep breathing is one of the oldest and most ancient uh, and most common forms of meditation um, because that is, that is a wonderful way to get us into that calm meditative state. So um, we talk all about that in, in Good Anxiety, Bad Anxiety as, as what do you do immediately? I'm glad that's, uh, you know, it's funny, I hear the, it's almost like a phrase, a little bit cliche, but it's so true is, uh, okay, calm down, just take a deep breath, Yeah. you know, and hold it, and then exhale, and then take another deep breath. So what happens um, physically or neuroscientifically, you're taking that deep breath, you're smell, filling your lungs with oxygen, mm -hmm. and your blood, and all your brain gets more oxygen, but what's happening that causes that calming effect? Yeah. So um, there are multiple direct and indirect steps. So uh, the, the deep breathing tends to also slow your heart rate down, which gets you into a, a more calm uh, uh, phase. Uh, studies have shown that deep breathing, different forms of deep breathing that again are these forms of meditation, can also stimulate the release of dopamine in your brain. So there are um, a kind of direct parasympathetic kind of physical elements that, that move you more towards a relaxation state, as well as brain uh, uh, release of, of particular neurotransmitters that will give you a, uh, a kind of the opposite of, of, of fear and anxiety, that, that rewarding state. Right. So you really do uh, um, help yourself very quickly get into that, that state. And, and if you think about it, um, unconsciously, when we start to get nervous, if we're, if we're scared of being on Zoom and, and starting an interview or being interviewed or being the interviewer, we start, our, our breaths starts to get short and shallow. And, and, and that, you could almost do it to yourself. If you want to make yourself anxious, you give yourself yeah. short, shallow breaths. And yeah. then look at it, feel the effect of that deep breathing. I mm -hmm. um, think of, um, you know, many of us go to yoga classes for, for that relief. And it's just lovely to be led through those deep breathing exercises that one often starts and ends the, um, the yoga class with. And that is yeah. what you're doing. It is, yes, it is a yoga technique. The yogis uh, have learned from experience what that calming effect is. And the neuroscientists are following that up with um, the physiology and neurophysiology of what's going on. I like that. So, you know, it's funny because uh, in all the work I've done in this, this book that I'm writing that's almost done, which is taking forever because I'm not the best, <laughs> I'm not a quick writer, but hey, it's okay. Um, when it comes to breathing, especially let's, let's talk maybe Parkinson's for a minute because that's my mm -hmm, area. Sure. Rigidity and the uh, ventilatory parameters, lack of dopamine, all that can affect the capacity to breathe. Um, but we also have a dopamine reduction happening in people with mm -hmm. Parkinson's, right? So, yeah. so I was unaware that deep breathing can stimulate the release of dopamine. Yeah. I yeah. did not know that, and that's very good to know. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is that's uh, that's great. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's so important, uh, staying on the topic of Parkinson's and relating it to COVID-19, um, I think it's so important to remember and think about our older populations that are suffering at even a higher level uh, because of the isolation, uh, because yeah. of all the strains and the fear and anxiety around COVID-19. And so important to stay in touch with um, your, your elderly cohort friends and family that may be suffering from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, which is obviously much more prevalent in these older populations, but um, to do things with them uh, in addition to, um, you know, a, a, a nice big basket of clean groceries can give you a big oh, dopamine, you know, yeah, um, release if, sure. if you need that. But to think about what are things that you can do to increase the um, just reward value of your interaction. And in addition to food, which is obviously very important, can you, and this obviously will be very, very relevant to your work, can you um, kind of uh, uh, go to your elderly person, not just with a phone call to say hello, which is lovely, but can you go to them with a, a, a joint movement session? Can you help them? Because I know older people have a harder time accessing all the free workouts on the internet right now, which is the other great thing that's happening. You can get free workouts from, I saw one from Debbie Allen. I myself worked out with Venus Williams and her mother the other day. That's cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. But um, an 80 year old with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's might have a harder time accessing that. Well, you and I, can go on and find those free workouts for seniors and do it with yeah. your, your older friends and family because as you know, exercise is another great way to up and boost that dopamine, which is not only good for mobility in Parkinson's patients, but also very good for mood and, and just um, positive affect. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage all, um, all my friends uh, to remember that as well as, you know, we're donating, we're, uh, me in New York, every every evening at seven o'clock, I open my window and bang my pot. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, you can't help it, you hear it from the closed yeah. windows. I love and so, it. And every, every night I know when it's seven o'clock. <laughs> That's so nice. I, they've had it on TV on the news a few times and I mean, I got teary watching it because it's powerful. Yes, I get teary when I'm banging my pot. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just so enthusiastic and, um, it's great to see if I see somebody walking their dog at seven o'clock, I always see them pull out their phones and I know they're doing a post <laughs> on their Facebook. It is astounding. It is so loud. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just such a beautiful, that's, you know, talking about beautiful things and positive things that have sure, come sure. From, from this. That is one of the most beautiful. I saw a post on Facebook the other night and it showed this one neighborhood and I think it was in Brooklyn, but it doesn't really matter where, that they got into this cool rhythmic thing at oh. seven o'clock. So they had like actual, which I know you can relate to that from the, the, um, the, the classes you do. I'm sorry, what's the name of those classes? Intensati. Intensati, yes. yes. You'll have rhythm. You've had drums there. Absolutely. You know, basically chanting affirmations, and yes. uh, which I love. Um, so, folks, you you go search. We're not done yet. I'm just interjecting while I think of it. Be yes. sure to okay, go sure. and search for uh, Wendy Suzuki 
TED Talks? Because I know there are a few, at least four. Are there more now? Uh, I think there's five TEDx Talks and one TED uh, Women Talk. Uh, okay. Was, uh, very popular. Um, Great. And at least one of those, you have a drummer there, and you yes. have an audience, and you're doing it, and it's so cool. Yes. But yeah, you know, yeah. They had this, uh, in this neighborhood, this really cool rhythm going on, and that that just took it to another level, you know? Yeah, yeah. Without actually verbally communicating how you can communicate otherwise. Yeah, you know, rhythm and drums were actually made for communicating, you know, eons ago anyways. So yeah, it's, it's so true. cool. Well, I, that's really interesting. Yes, one of the things that I've been, you know, researching a few years now and practicing and writing about is this this whole idea of how how quickly, in fact, you, early on, you actually taught me uh, short-term and long-term benefits of exercise to the brain, especially cardio. Yes. There's the immediate effects that are positive. And for me, I know personally, because I tend to uh, wake up sad very often, uh, not so much lately, uh, but all I, know, I just have to move. It's all it takes. I move, yeah. you know, see my dogs, walk them outside, whatever. Um, yeah. That's all it takes. But the mood change is that can really make or break your day if you just get moving. Yes, absolutely. The BDNF that can, can be created if you exercise for long enough and yeah. what the benefits of that are huge. Um, and, and I totally agree. I just want to interject that by moving, that does not mean you have to go do a, a you know, really, really hard TRX or train okay. for a triathlon. By moving means taking a walk with yes. your spouse with your dog with your child by yourself walking outside or walking even around the perimeter of your apartment which uh, many of us new yorkers are, are are tending to do these days that will stimulate the release of dopamine serotonin um uh, endorphins that will make you feel better so compare yes to walking around your apartment or walking outside, you will feel that difference because there, your brain neurochemistry is changing. Absolutely, thanks for interjecting that too. Yeah, I, I, I um, normally I think this automatically, but I want to make sure nobody realizes they don't have to go out and do a, a high intensity workout. You know, right. go for a walk, just yes. get moving. That's what I do. I don't run. I might ride my bicycle, but that's not first thing in the morning. Just walk. Um, that's fantastic. So. Can you give, uh, well, the deep breath, okay, so that would be maybe the, would that be your first recommendation to take the uh, bad anxiety, try to calm that nervous system so that the parasympathetic kicks in? And then do you have another, let's say another strategy or two or three? Yes, absolutely. So I have three strategies to share. The first strategy is that, uh, uh, that what you do when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack to, to try and combat. The second is, um, we all know what causes, or we have a good idea what causes our anxiety. Can we kind of enact strategies to mitigate that? Um, and one obvious one is don't, you know, uh, um, uh, make it so you don't put yourself in the situation that that causes you anxiety. But another strategy that I love is um, what I like to call uh, love conditioning. So uh, there's a yeah. very, very famous set of experiments in neuroscience uh, that are the opposite, it's called fear conditioning. Uh, fear conditioning is um, 
Um, I have, uh, you, you can study in animals in the lab, but you, everybody has a fear condition experience. And mine is called the Delta effect. I went on Delta Airlines um, way back when they gave you food, you know, to eat yeah. without having to pay with your credit card. And I had a terrible reaction. It was something in the food and I, th I had throw up and it was it was awful and so that is the condition for for a long long time just the the word delta brought me back to that yeah. nausea yeah. and that that is a protective mechanism uh, if i was uh, a neanderthal and delta was you know a dangerous area in the bush i would keep away from that as i kept away from the food at delta mm -hmm. So that is fear conditioning. You pair a really negative stimulus, nausea, throwing up, you know, food poisoning with, with uh, uh, an idea or a name, in this case, Delta. Well, here's the secret. You can flip that around because that same strong memory can be associated with something good that I like to call love conditioning. The example that I like to give is something that many of us have. And that is, remember your favorite yoga class. And you worked really hard, you got into your down dog and your, you know, uh, uh, your, your standing uh, split, that's always really hard, I could never do it. And you feel really good at the end of the class and you, you go down for Shavasana. And just remember the feeling of Shavasana. Now my extra little element there is that in my favorite class, I was in Shavasana and the teacher came around and she squirted um, lavender hand lotion on her hands. She gave it a little rub and then she, she gave me this neck, neck rub where, well, actually first she put her hands in front of my nose so I could get a really good whiff of that lavender. And then she gave me this amazing, literally two second neck massage. But that was just the most lovely feeling in the world. Yeah. And then I associate that lavender smell with that lovely shavasana combined with a personal neck massage. Uh -huh. And that is my example of love conditioning. So how does that work? I bring around a little score bottle of lavender. And when I need to bring good feelings, uh, relaxing feelings, I smell that lavender and bring back that positive feeling. I don't look at the word Delta and remember my food poisoning, no. I think about, I, I, I reinvigorate that strong loving memory and that kind of yummy feeling of being in Shavasana at the end of the yoga class associated with that smell. So um, that is something, uh, um, so I'm not getting rid, in this example, I'm not getting rid of the, uh, of the fear conditioning. Um, but what I'm doing is giving myself a higher level of, of um, uh, experiences that are positive and loving um, explicitly. And right. so that's something, that's a second strategy, kind of a long-term strategy. That you mm -hmm. Well, I like that because you're taking control over situations and you have a physical item with you. So you have the lavender, yes. which now you can at will use and then go back to and associate with that positive experience you had. Right. right. Yeah. 
that's just my example. So use, um, I encourage people to use um, whatever smell is very, very evocatively good for them, a particular perfume that you might like, a particular spice associated with the food, things like that. But our olfactory sense is, um, and olfactory memory is particularly strong. And so that's why it's really good to associate these kind of love conditioning uh, yeah. examples with, with a smell. Oh, I love that. That's great. So that's your second strategy. We got yes. deep breath, yes. and then the I have I have one more example in that category. Oh, yeah. Please, please, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, an, again a long-term strategy, and this comes. This is another example that is similar to exercise. So exercise stimulates dopamine, and it's a great way walk outside, get that that boost. But there's other ways to do it as well. My favorite example is that will stimulate dopamine is altruism. So altruism, doing something for somebody else is a wonderful way that neuroscience experiments have shown stimulate dopamine release in the brain. And I like to share this one because it's particularly relevant for this time now. What can you do for somebody else? Um, even a Zoom call to somebody uh, that you haven't seen for a long time, just checking in because we yeah. need to check in with each other now more, yeah. more than ever. Um, yeah. uh, it's, it's really um, enriching. And I, I, I like to use my friend Cheryl, who's also a, a really wonderful neuroscientist that studies stress. She is also, besides being a wonderful neuroscientist, is a County Fair award-winning baker. So she's uh, specialized in cookies and pies. And for all the time I've known her, she has always helped her friends who are, have, a, have a health issue, death in the family, need help. She always brings them uh, homemade cookies, homemade pies. I get homemade cookies on my birthday every year, which are just so wonderful. But that altruistic thing, yes, she's helping the person, but she's also getting a big boost of dopamine herself. And yeah. so what can you, also in these times, it's, it's wonderful to get away from fear of yourself, and which, which is uh, um, considerable. Uh, money fears, food fears, virus fears. Sure. And instead ask, what can I do? I have a lot here. Look at all this stuff around you. What can I do to bring and give something to somebody else? So that's another kind of anti-anxiety, good anxiety kind of uh, I can't wait for this book to come out. So let me go back though. So when you, um, just the thought that I had, it has to do with dopamine. Mm -hmm. When you're taking the lavender, yeah. you're taking a whiff. Yeah. Dopamine is being released, I imagine, right? Because so what happens is um, uh, it's, it's, the lavender is evoking the memory. Okay. Of, of that shavasana with with the thing and that that memory is associated with dopamine release so okay, great. Uh, there, there's a, a little practice that that happens you have to you know really um choose those memories well choose one that really you know i i i remember like it wasn't the first time that she did it uh but but everybody knows those yoga teachers that do that extra something special that oh. you really like in class yeah. Yeah. And so I would anticipate that. And I really looked forward to it. For, so for me, oh, it's that's good. And when I gave this talk the first time, people came up to me and they said, I could, I could feel that neck rub when you were, when you were. Oh, yeah, that's good. I knew I had a good example. 
That's so good. That's so good. So, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. So you're talking about uh, yoga, dopamine, lavender. Well, the whole association thing, you know, I, I'm not an expert, but I know that it, it can be very powerful. I know what it is. Yes. So the other day, my, I walked into the house here, and my wife had some kind of incense burning, mm. a new scent. Uh-huh. And I went right back to 1986. Uh-huh. I still can't figure out. It's a good <laughs> thing, though. It's a good smell. I just remember yes. I actually almost immediately felt feelings of mm. physical and emotional, happy, feel good. Mm. I'm trying to figure out what the heck that is. I was thinking in 1986, you know, I don't <laughs> know. But, but I know it was that year, and I know where we lived, and... To talk about association, you know, that's very, yeah. the olfactory system there is, yes. can be very powerful. That is a perfect example of how it's powerful. You may not have all those, uh, we call them episodic details of what was that smell, what, but you know it was good, yeah. right? You yeah. recognize that smell immediately, even if you don't have all the details about yeah. that. Yeah, I have no details except for where I lived, <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, the other thing, too, just a little bit of a tangent here, but when I, I, I do have a fairly large uh, audience of people with Parkinson's, movement disorders, and trainers and physios who watch all the interviews. And one of the things we know is that statistically with Parkinson's, depression is number one non-motor symptom and anxiety is a close second. So mm-hmm. yeah. add COVID on top of that. And, I mean, I haven't seen any of my Parkinson's clients now in weeks. And so we do the checking in. Some of them are doing online because they're willing to. They're just doing their own stuff, which is great. Just check in. But imagine being isolated, especially if you like to socialize. Right. And then you're taken out of it and you have Parkinson's. And not everyone with Parkinson's gets depressed, but many do. So, you know, anxiety adds to fall risk. So anything we can do to help reduce fall risk and improve quality of life, I I. I think all of them need to read your book too. <laughs> Seriously, because you know we all we're all humans, right? I, I in my education, I say people with Parkinson's are people too. You know, yes. it doesn't define them; they live with it. And so we want to help with that anxiety. Yes. Uh, do you have any? Uh, before we get into your third strategy, though, uh, while yep. I'm thinking of it, do you mm-hmm. have any approximate timeline of the release of the book? I hope that it is out by the fall. Okay, that's, great. That's my goal. Will there that's be an audio book as well? Yes, absolutely. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Now, by the way, um, I'm not reading the book that I'm writing because I just not cut out for it, and I really tried hard. But you did a great job reading oh. uh, Healthy Brain, Happy Life. Yeah. Great. Thank job. you. That's you know, thing for a lot of people, you know, <laughs> I, well, I think it's all my years of teaching in front of a classroom and the storytelling that I do, but I never would have imagined, I, I never thought I was going to do that. It was a surprise when they asked me to read it. And I said, sure, I'd love to, but it was so satisfying to be able to say the words out loud in, in the way that they had gone through my brain as I was writing writing that book. I, I never realized how satisfying it would be. And I have a wonderful, oh, there it is. Uh, although I must say, I have not listened to myself. Oh, you should listen to it. I you, like you to listen to it but, but I really enjoyed reading it and getting that, yeah. uh, getting it 
uh, recorded. So thank you for listening. It really it makes oh, my difference. Yeah, see, I, um, before we get into your third strategy, I am a, an audio learner. It's probably because I was a musician for so many years. When I hear things, I remember them. Yeah. I've never been a real good reader. I mean, I can read and not remember yeah. some stuff, but, but if I really like a book, I'll buy the hard copy because I'm going to want to study it, highlight things. So I've, I've highlighted your book a lot uh, and a lot of my favorite books. Um, but I love the fact that audiobooks exist because yeah, me too. Yeah. So, um, so strategy number one: we got deep breath, and then we have the association as number two. What's your third strategy? So the third strategy is this idea: I want to leave people with what does it mean to make it a superpower? You know, what is, is it really super? Uh, yeah. Super really is it? And so I want to try and answer that question. And okay. so this is one of the six different superpowers that we describe in detail in the book. Good. And that is one that was inspired by um, uh, many of the people that we talked to as we were writing this book. And I say we because I have a wonderful co-author. Her name is Billy Fitzpatrick. She was also co-author on Healthy Brain, Happy Life. Yes. Partner, uh, love her, and so Billy and I um, interviewed people um, uh, for for this book to make oh, sure great. that strategies were uh, relevant and and worked. And so one, um, uh, several people inspired this superpower. And I guess the first one was a lawyer that I was talking to about the book, and she said, "Oh my God, I am the lawyer I am today." because of my anxiety. So she literally takes that um, what if list, that that's what happens to me in my anxiety. My anxiety hits right before I'm just about to fall asleep at night. And then suddenly it's like, oh, uh -huh. I forgot to do that. Oh, what if, what if that, that, you know, that paragraph I wrote wasn't convincing enough and, and it all springs up right before I'm trying to fall asleep. And so the lawyer's strategy is she takes all of those what ifs and she turns them into action. Going back to what I said at the beginning, that anxiety is, is, is uh, a brain activation that stimulates action. So mm -hmm. she uses all of those worries, which are all things that the opposite, opposite side may, may find as false in her um, uh, argument, in her brief. And she double and triple checks that. She uses that as her to-do list. So it turns from an anxiety-provoking situation to, ah, I just have my to-do list next time. And I got the same exact kind of um, strategy from uh, um, a new entrepreneur who was learning the ropes and um, got so anxious every single time an investor, um, a, an investor meeting went bad so like 95 percent of investor meetings go bad because they don't invest in you only yeah. you know five percent yeah, right. so, so instead of uh, using that to spiral into anxiety it was like what what were all the things i was worried about i'm not going to do any one of those things the next time it turned him into a um a super uh um investor presenter because really? he that. Nice, nice. That's what became the superpower. Your own what if list becomes your own superpower in addressing this, this thing, which is something that, that we're whatever you are worried about. And uh, for me, it's often work and, and writing and things. 
uh, but but if you're an entrepreneur, it's it's you know investors, uh, what whatever it is. So that's what I mean by flipping what naturally comes up in anxiety and making that your superpower. You know what I love about that is it's not rocket science. It's actually pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> I it mean, is. I don't know if, not to diminish it and say that it, there isn't some a matter of complexity to it, because there is. However, at the same time, if you just think about the very first step, in fact, you, you just answered a problem I'm having with a particular person right now, and I love it. She's a great person. Um, <laughs> and I work with her son. Uh, and I can't say any more online, but I'll say this, the, the messages that come up, it, well, there's the other factor too, and I do this to myself, is I'll read a message through my own filters, because you can't hear the tonality on a text message or an email, right? And how, how do I know if one sentence was abrupt or they were just in a hurry, you know, with, and had a great day? So I torture myself, sort of, not as much as I used to, and now I've, I've think I've gotten over that for the most part, but uh, I need to turn that into a to-do list, actually. That's what I'm gonna do with this person. The nature of those texts, mm. those are to-dos. Yeah. It's actually, it actually just made everything so much easier, so thank you. <laughs> thank you, that's really well, good. No, it is, it, it's not rocket science, it is, um, it is logical. It is implementable. Yeah. That is what we designed it to be. But it's also backed up by all the neuroscience we know that underlies these things. We talked about the brain systems that we know that are involved in anxiety or in creativity or in resilience. Um, so, so um, there. It was. It was really a fun um, uh, book to write. And it sounds uh, like it was. Especially the interview sound, you know, that sounds like a fun aspect of getting data together and then writing about it. That's cool. Yes, That's great. Yeah, these are really good strategies. I like this a lot. And I appreciate this very much. And so now, where can people follow your progress as far as every, everything you're doing and then the book release? What's the yeah. So uh, the first place to find all the news about my book is my website, which is www.wendysuzuki.com. Uh, that website has everything uh, about my book, about my speaking engagements, about my lab, what's going on there. There's a link to my new company that I started um, called Brain Body uh, that is nice. um, uh, quantifies exercise-enhanced brain function. We're not oh. selling general public right now we're we're a b2b company that sells to to larger companies mm -hmm. but there's a link there so you can find out what's going on and, Good. and what we're that doing sounds great. um but uh yeah that's the best site to to learn uh exactly when as soon as i know when that book is coming out it's going on the website well good and hopefully um at that point you'll be able to get out and travel do a little book signing tour yes. too so be sure, folks, if you can't, if you're listening and you can't see this, go to Healthy Brain, Happy Life. Um, go online and look for it. Is there, is there a best place for people to buy that? Do you have a preferred place where people buy that? Um, I like to encourage people to buy from an independent bookseller. Yeah, okay. um, so you can go uh, just Google independent booksellers and okay. buy it online. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, just to support uh, those booksellers that that uh, that need that need support. <laughs>
Good. Yeah. And that's actually, that's exactly why I asked that question because there are a lot of uh, booksellers out there and they need support and um, why not get it from them? Absolutely. Sounds like a good idea. Hopefully they're getting a boost these days. I'm certainly reading more than I usually do. Yeah. So I think everybody is buying from independent booksellers. Me too. So I'll put a link to your site um, on the screen. And then for those who are listening, again, it's uh, www.wendysuzuki.com. Mm -hmm. And um, well, Dr. Suzuki, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Um, Fun you, conversation. Really enjoyed it. Oh, me too. Me too. If you don't mind hanging out with me just for like maybe one minute after I end sure. the recording. Uh, so again, thank you. And I, I love all the work that you do. It's always great to watch you uh you know online ted talks and whatever and listen to your book read your material thank you everybody for watching and listening those of you who are here with us we appreciate this very much and um have a great day take care bye